Behavior. <laughs> Take it away. Welcome to Behavior Grooves. Your voice is changing. <laughs> Going through puberty again. All right. Welcome to Behavioral Grooves. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. Behavioral Grooves is the podcast where we explore the why we do what we do question. And we get some of those answers by having discussions with brainy people like our guest in this episode, Melina Palmer. But before we get to Melina, I have a question for you, Kurt. Okay, what's up? Tell me what you think of this. Would being reminded of a random number, uh, say like your mobile phone number, have an impact on more relevant numbers like how much you're willing to pay for something? Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to explain this and give me an example. Well, really? Yeah. Thought, wasn't that clear enough? Give me an example. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, let's say that you and I are at a restaurant. Okay. okay. And um, I ask you to tell me the last two digits of your mobile phone number just as we sit down. And you say 99. And that happens right before you saw the menu with the price of the steak that was $42. Do you think that the totally random number of 99 would have an effect on your willingness to pay $42 for the steak? Well, um, 99 wouldn't because the last two digits of my phone number are 92. Oh, so I, I would never say 99. <laughs> but but the fact is 92 probably would because I think what you're getting at is the anchoring effect. That is correct. So research tells us that people can be influenced by random numbers. Like the last two digits of my phone number, which are 92, by the way, not 99. <laughs> You've called it enough. You should know. Uh, and that would, or it could have a pers- uh, an impact on my perception of the price of the stake. And the research says that it can, not always, but it can, and probably had an effect on me. But because it's completely subconscious, I'm not aware of it. I'm guessing that the reason you're asking about this might have to do with uh, the work that Melina does. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. But first, let's quickly review how powerful anchoring can be. For years, retailers have used anchoring by showing retail price crossed out with the sale price beneath it, right? And this works terrifically well, especially when we don't really know exactly what the value of an item was before it was marked down. Like when I'm out shopping with... um, Let's just say someone else. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to leave her unnamed. <laughs> her unnamed. Got it. And I've never heard. I've never heard her say, "Well, it's on sale for ninety eight dollars, but I don't think that it's worth it." <laughs> right. So this unnamed person, yes, uh-huh, will probably say, "Hey, look, that's almost fifty percent off. Isn't that a great deal?" Yeah, that's much more likely. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I know. I I have fallen prey to that uh, myself. I'm going to give into that too. Yeah. All right. So it's not just unnamed persons. Uh, It's us. It's it's us as well, right? (laughs) So let's tie that back to our guest. Melina Palmer is the host of the Brainy Business Podcast, and she has dedicated her career to using behavioral economics to help everyone from global corporations to entrepreneurs understand the psychology of why people buy. So in addition to her podcast, she writes a column for Inc.com. She writes and podcasts on messaging, branding, advertising, pricing, and products. Her approach is very brain-friendly for business. What does brain-friendly mean? It's more about the application than about the theory. So she takes these concepts and makes them brain-friendly. I like that. I like brain friendly. That's that's a good thing. Okay, so also our conversation with Melina was terrific because she she really just does this. She speaks in terms that are really really application focused, right? And uh, we had some very interesting exchanges on music, and you know what? I she even said that she's curating a list on uh, of, of John Mayer stuff uh, yeah, for she's, her playlist. Yeah, and she's been doing it for years, and now the algorithm gets it just right, so she doesn't even have to work at it. Is what she's saying. <laughs> and and I like John, but there's more. She has a wide variety. Of artists in her mix, which is very cool, which is what some of those algorithms do. That's right. All right. Uh, On a separate topic, we want to mention that we are launching Weekly Grooves at the end of January in 2020 here. Weekly Grooves is a brand new podcast hosted by Mr. Tim Houlihan. And me, and we will focus our lens, and we're going to use that tone of voice in in weekly. We will be talking, 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 (laughs) Sunday, 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 weekly, Uh, weekly, weekly grooves. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't you? That, wouldn't that be fun? We no, should do that. We, no. we should do that. No. I think that would be great. So Weekly Grooves is going to be our new podcast that will come out in addition to Behavioral Grooves, and it will focus our lens of applied behavioral science on current topics in the news. Yeah, we might just riff a bit on some things that we think need discussion. Yeah, too, we could, right? you, you know? know. Like weekly, weekly, weekly things. Oh, my God. Well, how about debunking some myths <laughs> around behavioral science? Yeah. Maybe that we could do that too. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 do that. But I think we ought to do weekly. Oh, never mind. All right, enough of that. And we might talk in depth about some of our books that we've been reading recently, or holiday that's coming up, or just some theme that we can we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll do that in a short form with no interviews, and it'll all be very practical. So people, get ready to listen up and to put that on your subscribe button. It's going to be fun. And yep. uh, and of course, we will be promoting it once it, launch, once it launches, because it is going to be, in the podcasting world, a separate channel. It will be a separate channel that That's we right. will be promoting and talking to, and hopefully people find a lot of value in yeah, it. But when, when, when it's going to launch this month, right? At the end of January, end if of this we get our okay. button gear and we do it weekly, weekly, <laughs> weekly. Oh <my> <laughs> you know, we're going to start off the, 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 the podcast yeah, with that. You know that's awesome. how it's going to be. Yeah, there we go. But until then, you're just going to have to wait. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to just deal with the behavioral grooves, non-weekly, weekly, week. Well, it is weekly, though. We do behavioral grooves weekly. So maybe we should do weekly, weekly, oh weekly God. for me. No, I think that will kill people. Uh, am, I, am, am I just driving this the, into the, the ground? There will be headphones that explode <laughs> if we do that. Home speakers crack. <laughs> All right, people. I'm sorry. I I, I need more uh, caffeine or maybe some alcohol in order to calm this down. So anyway, with that, sit down with your big brainy cocktail. Nice. And enjoy our conversation with Melina Palmer. Melina Palmer, welcome to the Behavioral Groups Podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. It's it's our pleasure. We want to get started with a quick speed round here. So let's let's just start by getting your opinion on bicycle or unicycle. I would say spin bike. Spin bike. Oh, <laughs> that's not even one of the two choices. It's the first time we've had a spin bike. It's wow. a it's a pseudo bicycle, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I wouldn't yeah. trust myself outside on one. The side to side, right? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you call. know, I got the spin bike. I can do that. There you go. Okay. All right. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. Who puts behavioral economics to better use? Starbucks or Costco? Oh, I've done episodes on both. <laughs> I would say Starbucks. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. That might be something to talk about. All right. So would you rather listen to a podcast uh, about business or a podcast about business through a behavioral lens? Ooh. Um, business in general, because um, I make one about the other. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So let's let's uh, let's delve into that. So you have a podcast, the Brainy Business Podcast. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little, how did, how did, how did that get started? What was the impetus for you to start this podcast, which is very cool? Yeah, well, thank you. I would say, you know, taking a couple steps back into the world, when I got my undergraduate degree, which is in marketing, business administration, uh, I had, you know, one section of one class toward the end of everything that had just the tiniest little tidbit about this, um, you know, psychology of buying behavior. And I was just amazed and excited. And I knew that that was what I would want to go back and get a master's in. And that was the thing. And I spent the better half of 10 years calling schools that didn't have programs. Nothing really existed yet. So I was doing my work in marketing and business and innovation training, things like that. And then some people from Duke, the Center for Advanced Hindsight, came out at an innovation team that I was at, uh, presenting at. And i knew it was the thing. I, you know, I found it, found a program to get a master's in behavioral economics and started my business. And I knew I was early. I knew I was going to be early into the field, but I didn't realize just how early until I, you know, started um, in school and was 
learning that there wasn't a ton in that behavioral science and business coming together. It was very academic still. Um, and so realizing that a podcast was a great way to get that information out. I had someone encourage me to do that and I jumped in with both feet and it's been amazingly well received. I would say. <laughs> when was that? You, 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 know, you talk about it being early. About what time frame was this? So I started the podcast in July of 2018. So, um, but just even as I was talking with businesses and even today, I do a lot of public speaking and people just in the general world don't know what it is. And even people that are really well adept in their own businesses of all sizes, from entrepreneurs to people running multi-million dollar companies, they just don't understand how it works and how prevalent this brain science is in every single decision that somebody is making from um, the way that you prime a message of if they're deciding they're going to buy, you know, the, as I talk about all the time, the price is never about price. Everything that happens before the price matters more than, than the price itself. So helping people to understand what those things are and how you can properly communicate, it doesn't really exist anywhere else that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we are so embedded in behavior science, behavioral economics, brain science, all of that, and we have been for years that we forget that the the vast majority of people out there may have never heard of behavioral economics, or at least if, if they have, it might just be in passing and not really understand. And, and we make this assumption, again, it's that availability heuristic, right? We talk about mm -hmm. people uh, with people yeah. who are engrossed in this all the time. And so we go, well, everybody has, has this <laughs> right. big knowledge of it. And you go, you talk to them and you go, yeah, it's just loss aversion. And they're going, they look at you with this blank stare going, <laughs> what, what the hell about? are you talking about? So, right. I feel like the hyperbolic time discounting is one of those where people would never know what that means. I call it the I'll start Monday effect. Right. So it's finding the the way to communicate this to every person and where I can go and read those journals and listen to people talk about science, uh, behavioral science and work on research projects and take the couple lines out of this big paper to say, this is what matters and this is why. And here's 10 different ways you could use it in your business. That's yeah. basically what I do through my work and my podcast. Well, Inc. Magazine identified you as one of the top 10 business uh, podcasts, you know, uh, and which is really <laughs> Really cool. It's a great accolade. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but what do you think? Why do you think you made the list? What What is it that um, th that Brainy Business is doing that uh, might differentiate you from, you know, the? I mean, God, there's tens of thousands of podcasts out there, hundreds of thousands, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I um, have not actually spoken with the author of that article, so I don't know for sure, but I would say it's what I've heard from listeners and what people really appreciate is that it's a conversational fun tone. It doesn't sound like a lecture. It's not that boring space and making it really applicable <laughs> to any type of business. And I know that there are um, those budding entrepreneurs. I have some people who their kids love to listen to the podcast in the car all the way up to, you know, at the Texas A&M University's Human Behavior Lab. They basically, all their doctoral students, they tell, it's sort of like crash course, sort of assigned listening to go listen to the Brainy Business Podcast to help them understand all of the concepts. So it's um, got enough information for the people who already know something and are in the field, but it's not so heavy that you can't understand it in a normal application. So you, uh, your typical podcast is you talking about a concept, right? Now you have expanded and you've been, you've interviewed You're Roger Dooley and uh, Nir Ariel and uh, I think a couple, a couple others. But so, so how do you determine what the content is and then how do you go about, help us understand what's the process you go through uh, in, in prepping? Because I know we've talked a little bit about this. It's a big job. It absolutely is. And that because my, while they don't come across as really weighty, they're very weighty for me on the back end, coming up with the citations and finding the right research papers and articles to be citing and thinking about how that all goes together. 
Um, so often because I'm really good at going down rabbit holes and, uh, have that sort of squirrel mentality, I can pretty quickly, if I'm reading a paper can say, okay, I'm going to turn this into an episode and this would be a good episode. So I can go about it that way. As I start digging in and reading about something, um, grasping other areas that are going to be useful. I also just kind of do that fly on the wall world. I'm in a lot of different groups on social media for small businesses and um, just seeing the questions that people are asking in business and or when people reach out to me to do consulting work, the types of things they're asking about that I can then cater into an episode. So there's an episode that's called the top five wording mistakes businesses make. So it's not one individual concept, like an episode on scarcity or framing or priming, um, but it's then, this is how you would apply all of these in this way. And I have some about, you know, setting good goals and being motivated and keeping your motivation um, without having to talk about only one specific topic. So it kind of jumps around to make it interesting with what I care about right in the moment. And everybody can just sort of come along with me, I guess. <laughs> you do a great, and I, you mentioned the citations and the, and the amount of background work that you're doing. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I'm a huge fan. Both Kurt and I are a big fan of citations and resources and links and sort of verifiability. And what if we're using a term that someone isn't familiar with? <clears throat> Don't make it difficult, you know, as Roger Dooley would say, reduce the friction, right? So yes. or just have, have links uh, in, in the show notes and, and you do a fan fabulous job. Thank you. Absolutely. I think, I think Tim was getting a little jealous. He's like, I thought we did a lot. And then he's like, oh my God. So, <laughs> the, my, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, the, the show notes do get a bit uh, lengthy, but I know people tend to appreciate where you can go back and see at 15 minutes and 27 seconds, I started talking about such and such, and then here's the article you can reference to go find it. So, yeah. What did you think is the the most important topic that you've covered for business people when it comes to specific uh, specific principles of behavioral science? Hmm. I have found that pricing strategy is the biggest area that people need help with, and one that is actually fairly easy to implement when you understand how some of the concepts work together. So, I have a a framework, I guess, that I call it's not about the cookie that goes into using priming, framing, loss aversion, anchoring relativity. Um, and now it's turned into a course and all that. But that confidence in your own pricing is the biggest point of failure for a lot of businesses where you don't realize that you might be saying something, you know, 10 minutes ago, that is totally putting the kibosh on the wholesale. Uh, whereas if you would tweak something a little bit and the way something is presented impacts that buying behavior way more than anything else. So is that pricing? So that's not just product pricing. You're talking about pricing uh, any type of service or, or anything. So a consulting gig, a speech, a uh, learning course, anything along that line. Yeah, absolutely. And and it can be anything from the way you present things on a menu down to you only have two service options that you provide to people. And I would say one of the, you know, that combination of anchoring and adjustment and relativity and just the way that you, you know, you start with the high one first and whatever the best thing is that you're trying to sell, that needs to not be the most expensive thing that you're offering. So you want to have one thing above that that may you know, I tell my clients, come up with like the biggest, most ridiculous thing that'd be cool to do, but you can't imagine anyone would possibly do, right? Like they fly you out to meet with them in Italy and do a thing or whatever it is, right? You can come up with your big, crazy $20,000 experience. And then if you say, and I can just do it for you for 5,000, you know, 5,000 sounds a lot better when 20,000 is your high anchor that you started with, regardless of what it is. And someone might buy that. And then that's awesome. And you get to go work with them in Italy. But if not, it <laughs> makes it easier to sell that the bunch of those $5,000 packages. Do you, do you have any favorite researchers or research papers? Were there, were, were there any, was there anything along the way that just really caught you, mm -hmm. uh, especially around pricing? You know, I mean, you talk about decoy pricing and this is, a, you know, there's a lot of great work on that. But. Yeah, there are so many, there are so many, but I really love a lot of the work and the research from, um, you know, Dan Ariely and the team there at Duke. They do really great things. Um, I've been reading a lot more of um Catherine Milkman stuff. I yeah. loved the episode she did with, with you all. So I think that she's got some good stuff, not necessarily um, in 
pricing as much as in some of that behavioral change. Um, and, you know, I think Kahneman is, is always great. I always do cite a source on anchoring that, um, and I can't think of the researcher so much as I know it's a Snickers, uh, I call it the Snickers study, which is where they had the two different end cap displays in a grocery store. And in one case, they said Snickers, buy them for your freezer. And the other one says Snickers, buy 18 for your freezer, which is a ridiculous amount of Snickers bars that most people would never buy. And as a business, you would very unlikely that you would actually create that advertisement. But the difference was a 38% increase in sales when it had the number 18 instead of the word them. And it's just that power of a number and a high anchor and how you adjust down versus moving your way back up from where zero, you know, them is just a fancy word for none. You know, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to yeah, get? Yeah. Was that Chris? She did Christopher. She do, do that. Um, I can't I'm to remember. <laughs> I yeah. could get it super we'll it. quick. We'll, it's we'll, in my show notes. <laughs> we'll put it in our show notes as well. We will it's, but I know, you know, like anchoring and adjustments, episode 11 of my podcast. I know all those details, <laughs> but <laughs> the specific researcher, okay. I forget. You have that kiki yeah. brain, brain for that. And that's what's in well, you, yes. you mentioned Ariely, right? And he did the classic, you know, the, the economist study with the, uh, with the, mm-hmm. uh, I talk, I use that as a source, you, all you know, time. which is uh, again, one of my favorite, ones where you're looking at, wow, if you just price the economist, uh, you know, print versus the economist online versus how they, they pair them together. together. uh, It's classic. And I've actually replicated that in, in some workshops that I've done. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to, to see how that, that does. And the anchoring components are all there. So with all of that, when, so how many episodes you have eight over 80 episodes out right now, right? Yes, 82, I think, just came out today as we're okay. working. So, awesome. so from those 82 uh, episodes and then talking and, and hearing from your listeners, what what have they found um, or what have you learned from that? Like, what, what are some of the insights that you've gotten from making 82 episodes? And then what are you hearing from, from your listeners? Yeah, you're a lifelong learner, right? So, <laughs> I mean, yes. so... So what's your hook? Very much. What, what are you coming um, away? I just love, I, you know, I actually got an email earlier this week from somebody who was reaching out. I get, um, you know, people that say things like, you know, how they want to talk about working on their business, but they just love that, you know, the episode about counterfactual thinking came in at just the right time that they had a semi or jarring experience in their family, a diagnosis of something and being able to, learn about how their brain worked and the counterfactuals helped her to get past that issue. So then she could focus on everything else. I like to help people to really understand how their um, brain, how, how all these concepts apply to them personally. And when you see how you can hear a concept and say, oh yeah, I do that, then you can learn how other people do that too and apply it to the way that you communicate with people. And I know that that's something that people really appreciate and resonate with, just making the concepts really tangible and applicable instead of, um, you know, lofty or weighty. Uh, do you mind if uh, I talk about music? You go into music? <laughs> All right. I'm, like, I'm just excited. I mean, we got the thumbs up before we started recording. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I want I, I'm a little, I, I'm a go to music. I'll come back and wrap anything up else. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <sighs> so pre-recording, Melina, we, uh, we just brought up this idea of music and you just gave this big smile and a big thumbs up. And so <laughs> I just want to, you know, uh, I just want to talk about anything. I, let's, let's start with what's on your playlist. Let, let's just start there. So I actually like to have some music in the background. I've been curating a John Mayer radio station on Pandora for uh, 10 years or something now. So it's got a good mix of everything from the Beatles um, and just up. It's just a really great, uh, you know, Michael Buble and whatever all the way through to Dave Matthews Band. So it's a really awesome station that I just love all, basically everything that comes up on it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that, I, I, I'm totally fascinated. You have to send us a link. That, okay. That's <laughs> uh, but you're also uh, you're also a vocalist. You're a, you're a singer, and you you actually get out and perform. You sing in public. I do. Yes. Um, I, I was classically trained as an opera singer, um, through school and used to compete singing opera and did 
chamber music and things like that. And then, um, you know, made a big shift and used to sing with a country band in Seattle for a while. And we did some shows. And as I had said, I I mostly do national anthems these days. Uh, Just not as much time for singing as I would like to be kind of out in the world performing just just me or with a group. But I, I do love it. It's a heck of a song, that national anthem, that uh, that three-octave uh, thing can trip up a lot of people who think they can sing and really can't. So it's uh, <laughs> Yes, it's, it's a good one if you have a, sol- a, a large range. It can help showcase some of that. So I've been doing anthems since, um, just to show, I guess, the ridiculousness of my own um, ambitions and the type of thing you need to be able to do a podcast and things like this. There's a lot of, you know, audacity. There's a reason I think the request recording system is called audacity. We have to be <laughs> going out and just saying, Hey, would you want to be on my podcast or, you know, whatever it is. So when I was in junior high school, all very modest and humble, they were doing this, um, an assembly that was this like showcase of the stars. And it was going to be all the athletes that were the top at the school. And I being the very shy person that I am went to the school and said, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if you're doing the best of the best, I should be the one singing the national anthem at this event. And we've never had a like anthem singer star do something and they let me do it. So I think that was the first one. Yes. All right. So I I need to hear a little bit about the country band in Seattle. So, I mean, is this old it time sounds country? sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't yeah, I mean, it? I'm like thinking grunge. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, Nirvana, Soundgarden, but no, country? What? Yes. So, I mean, country's huge around the country, around the world. But, all right, so what old country, new country, mix, what were you doing? A real mix. And I know that for me, I have, while I do sing opera and can have that classically trained tone, if I'm left to my own devices, there's a lot of twang in my <laughs> natural voice. And I think it's a lot of fun. And so when I did my anthem at the Seattle Mariners, I had a friend who was in a band that didn't really knew that I sang and they were starting this country group and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And so it was everything from, I did some Patsy Cline songs up to, um, you know, the Lady Antebellum, uh, Miranda Lambert, and we did some real old stuff too, <laughs> um, like Back in the Saddle and just some ridiculous old songs that was a really wow. big uh, mix of very kitschy up to newer stuff. And I really love to do kind of the mashup where it's a normal style song or, or it's a current song, but then I sing it more with a country um, twang, I like some uh, Tom Petty and things like that. I love to do those. Very cool. That's very cool. Are there ever any songs that you're listening to and you, and as you're listening to it, you go, Oh, that is a behavioral song. Like, like that's got a behavioral hook to it. <laughs> I think I find a behavioral hook to everything. My husband is very patient <laughs> in, you know, walking through any, you know, through the airport and like, Oh, stop. I need you to hold my purse so I can take a picture of this ad. Or this was an interesting, the way people are clustered around a different I- event outside and things like that. So I can't think of any really specifically behavioral songs right on the spot here in the moment, but I'm sure there are Why some. Not? Do you have yeah, no. <laughs> the associations in my brain aren't aren't properly wired for that in this moment. <laughs> the booba brain moment, as we like to say here. <laughs> yeah. so, um, all right. So, uh, do you have more musical questions? Because no, I will. I will indulge you if you do. You know, otherwise. well, I, I, you know, I would, I would get back to this John Mayer list. Actually. All right, go, go, go. Well, I'm just curious. You, you said that you're curating this this John Mayer station on Pandora. <laughs> Which sounds a lot fancier. Perhaps I made it sound a lot cooler than it is. So much I'm as I'm totally saying agree. that yeah. in a in a previous life, I used to do grant writing and um, different different type of work where it was really long hours of just sitting and working on stuff. And I had started just listening to, I found like the John Mayer station was interesting enough that if I needed a little break, I could kind of have this mental spot and go, that's nice. I like that line. And then can just keep going, right? It kind of keeps me engaged and moving forward. But there's a lot of 
this song sucks. I never want this to be on this station. And oh yeah, that's awesome. And not saying I hate this song forever, but it's just not in the right flow. And then, you know, Pandora kind of adapts to your taste. So when you give something a thumbs down, it won't play anything it thinks is like that and and whatnot. So the station has just organically changed with me over time. And it, it brings in um, even like Christina Perry and just all these, uh, it's what would be a totally vast array of people and genres, but it fits for what I'm trying to accomplish. And I can just have it playing quietly in the background now and not really have to even thumbs up or down anymore. Cause it's just good stuff. Okay. It's my, it's my Damien Rice playlist. Is, is it? Is yeah. that, is that it's been for years and I, I think there's red hot chili peppers and you know, I mean, it's a wide, wide mix, but it, it, it works. flows for you. It works. But that me. gets to a question that we often talk about. And that is, do you listen to music while you're working? Sometimes. It depends on what I'm working on. And it, it can't be loud with lots of words. So things that get me kind of pumped up and excited. Um, and I will listen to maybe right before I'm going to do a big call or, you know, sales call. I'll listen to some of those to get me amped up. And then, right. but sometimes if I'm writing for extensive periods of time or updating a bunch of um, you know, my Trello board or whatever. And I want just a little something in the background. It's just very, very, very quiet. Cause I get distracted way too easily. <laughs> oh, okay. We have, a, we have this conversation. I, I, I use it uh, similarly. I put it in the background on some of those times. So, okay. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Are, are we done now? Well, we're never done with music, but that's enough for right now. I've, I've, I've been, if you I've, ever want to just call and talk music, you know where to find well, it. You know, Tim will do that. And you, <laughs> you just opened up a uh, whole Pandora's box there. So. I love it. And a Pandora's playlist, maybe. Right, Ooh, right. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so Melinda, I was, I was wondering, uh, so you have 80 some episodes of your podcast going on and you've, you've done this, you've been listed in the, as a top 10 podcast. What, what do you hope is a brand new year, brand new decade where we're recording this at the beginning of January? Where do you want this to go? What do you want to do? I have really made it my mission. I, I kind of this twofold. I want as many people as possible to understand behavioral science, how the brain actually works and why it's important to them. And in again, with those lofty ambitions of the world in my like naming and claiming is sort of what I've been saying, what Susie Orman did for personal finance. I want to do for behavioral economics, just to make it that everybody knows and gets it as quickly as possible because it's so important. And so along those lines, you know, working on a book and things like that, but also, you know, like a membership site where people can come in and just ask me questions regularly and get those answers when they need them and not have to book a full strategy session or long engagement with me just to help, you know, small business is really important to me. And I feel it's going to take a long time to trickle down to them if someone's not really specific and intentional in helping them. And I love doing work with corporate clients. It's a, a thing I want to do more of as well, but just helping more small businesses that really need this knowledge so they don't go away uh, to understand how it works and to actually implement it properly. That's a real big focus for me. Fantastic. Well, it it aligns with us of building this community of yeah. of people who are interested and want to learn more about behavioral science. So, so we encourage all of our listeners out there to, to go out and search Brainy Business and give it a listen to. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being on. We appreciate, the, appreciate your insights and your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Welcome to our grooving session where Tim and I groove on what we learned from our behavior groups interview, have a free flowing discussion and whatever else comes into our brainy brains. Uh, perfect. Of that course. Of course. E that was the easiest like little tagline at the end that I always, you know, think up and have to yeah. work at and, and brainy brains just boom. Damn. That was so, so easy. Thank you, Melina. I appreciate, totally we appreciate you having brainy brains well, as that. She's got it down. I, I got it. the, the, the big thing that struck me about Melina is that she is, she is completely compacted and productized and she just has got her stuff together. This was, it was really fun to talk to her because she knows exactly where she's going and how she's getting there. Right. Very impressive. Unlike us. 
<laughs> we don't know where the hell we're going or what the hell we're doing. We just want to build a big community of people and share knowledge and big um, love love fest. <laughs> a weekly, weekly, weekly love fest. Oh I brought it back. I know you were yelling no. at me earlier. Oh, no, no, I wasn't yelling. It's just I was gonna go to the bathroom and vomit. But <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, so what do you what do you want to talk about? Uh, uh, there were some cool things that we talked about. Oh, with Molina. lots of cool things. So uh, one of the things that we, we you know is anchoring, right? And the power yeah. of anchoring. I think it's one of those behavioral science insights that we we overlook a, a ton. Yeah. Uh, and and how powerful it is. And a lot of the research that has gone on on this, I think, is just fascinating. That and then you know. Um, you know what can what can it do? How can we how can we use it? How can we take it to the next level? Well, one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking to Melina about anchoring, she's using it a lot in pricing, and of yes. course, she also talked about decoy pricing and uh, you know some of the work with Ron Kivitz just is just so great. The Kivitz and Simonson stuff on anchoring or decoy pricing is just pretty terrific. Yeah, but I find it really fascinating. Uh, this idea of anchoring. And I wonder if we could construe it to something like habits. Is there an anchoring in habits? Because I was I was thinking about Katie Milkman's um, uh, fresh start habit hack. Yeah. You know, uh, could the first of the month or could a Monday be an anchor for us? Could it act as an anchor as this is where we're starting? So as opposed to being just something that's purely numerical, could there be an anchoring effect in saying it's the beginning of the month, it's the beginning of the week, and, and I'm going to use that as my anchor to say, oh, because it's the beginning of the week, I can start something new. I think I, I think that's really fascinating. Uh, I mean, the concept of fresh start is exactly that. But you're saying, tying it in, that because of the way that that, that new beginning is, is that an anchor that we use? And I think, I think depending upon how you conceptualize uh, or define anchoring uh, that could that could work uh, I mean all the, a little thin I, I know I, I, I mean I, all the research that I've seen has mostly been numeric. numerical right yeah, it is right. the so you know give me your social security number at last two digits and now how many countries are there in Africa right and, right and there's correlations between those two yeah um, but I think what's interesting about that is is from a communications perspective. So she's obviously, Maline is talking about that from a perspective of pricing. Yes. But if you're trying to drive behavior change inside of an organization um, or in your own personal life, can you use anchoring in a positive manner to kind of so that you set your goals a little bit higher so that you right, are right. stretch yourself a little more you stretch yourself a little bit more that you uh, take things into consideration maybe it's maybe it's actually reducing things too like because you can anchor down or you can anchor up mm -hmm. so how many times do I need to eat a day or you know how many you know Coke Zeros do I want to have? Or, right. Or maybe before you go shopping, you actually take a glance at your the balance in your checkbook. You know, so maybe you have this reality check of this is how much you have available or or your credit card balance or I don't know what, you know, some some kind of anchor to, to get you thinking more monetarily and maybe more cautiously about how you're going to spend when you're shopping. Interesting. Uh, but so I wonder, though, then it, the, the difference there, if you had a, a bank account that had $99 in it versus a bank account that had a hundred and two dollars in it. Yeah, you know, because there's some, and, and forgive me if I'm if I'm messing this up, but I thought there was something about like the higher number, like ninety nine. Actually, true. the feels randomness of, of that number, yeah, right, versus one hundred two because they're they're lower numbers on the you know in in the one through nine or zero through nine piece yeah. that we actually interpret those differently so that was i, I don't know if that's and, i guess and again, i'm bringing I'm it not up. sure yeah. how that that would work well i'm bringing but, it up because i'm just hoping to get to 99 dollars 
you know, that would just be 102 would be way over the top for me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but 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 she used the example of the Snickers, right? The buy 18 bars. You yeah. need 18 Snickers bars in your life. Right. In your fridge. Nobody needs 18 <laughs> Snickers no. bar unless you have no. 18 kids coming over every day, you know, that's just way that's, too much. However, to that point, you are more likely then to buy four or five because yeah. you're anchored in at 18. Which if if we could construe that and change that over into goal setting, it would be really cool to be able to say, wow, this is why we have stretch goals, right? But they need to be stretch goals. And, and in my world, in my strict definition of a goal, it has to be something that I buy into. Mm-hmm. So when a corporation, when senior leadership says, Kurt, your stretch, your, your goal is, is 100 units, but your stretch goal is 200 units, and you just immediately think 200 units is crazy. I, I just can never do that. Then it's not your goal. But it, what if? But it. all right. So let's go. Yeah, let's you have go to be willing to buy into it. So what if you actually? And again, to to be ethical about this, you need to be really honest and, and truthful. But what if the company said, "Hey, the average goal is 200." Mm-hmm. And now, when you get your goal, your actual goal might be 110. And then they say, and what do you want your stretch goal to be when you know you've been primed, you've you've anchored in that 200 is, is average. Is average. Yeah. Or average for people in your tier or, you know, structuring it in such a way. Because, again, there's a point where it could seem outlandish. Um, and there's a point where it would be, you know, for the for the top fifty percent, the average is going to be less than what theirs probably is. So, mm-hmm. you know, you might have to tier things or do different aspects of that. But that could be could be some interesting ideas or concepts to to apply there. Yeah, anchoring could certainly impact goal setting. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. What else? Uh, what else uh, struck you about our conversation with Molina? I was just I'm just excited to get to talk to a podcaster who's talking about. Behavioral economics, behavioral science. You know, we we got to talk to the action design guys, and we're talking to Melina. And I think this community that we are a part of is just fascinating. And I'm I'm so happy that you know she's doing well, and you know I'm just trying to take some of the insights of podcasting from what she's doing and you know what are some of the things that we can we can borrow and and learn from her she's she's got like i said at the, at, at the top of the grooving session i think she's really got herself together she really knows exactly what she's about she knows where she's going and i think she's very intentional about choosing podcasting as this on the go technology uh, you know she's she does some youtube stuff you know in her training which is very very focused but the podcast to reach the broadest number of people i think it's just a great choice it's a really it's a good strategic approach to her business and and, and she puts a lot of effort into each episode in identifying the research because again most of her episodes aren't interview style so most of her episodes are taking a concept and digging deep into that concept and so she does a great amount of upfront research on that scripts out how that is going to play various different aspects and and that for I mean, not saying that we don't do our research, we do. <laughs> well, we but sometimes do. we fly <laughs> off the, the the seat of our cuff. Uh, the seat of our cuff, <laughs> the cuff of our seat. Uh, is that that even say? How about the, the seat of our pants? What about that? We fly. We're. Uh, I'm. I'm okay. The metaphor is just got way too mixed there. <laughs> Okay, but we, you know we, my booba <laughs> mind doesn't doesn't know the right words to use in the right order. Well, let's uh, just say that we can get random and we get lucky and we're impromptu. How about we, that? Yeah, and we depend upon a lot on our uh, our history and knowledge and and various different aspects where we'll dig in or go down rabbit holes with people. Um, yeah, and, and I find yeah. that I find that actually it, it's liberating and fun for me, and hopefully it's fun for the the audience. But that was part of our thing. But I do think. Um, there's an element of of some of the background research that we can probably improve on, and so it's one of the things. Certainly, for 2020, I will. Yeah, I'll be taking that up. But it, but our approach also is for longer format interviews, and uh, in, in in general, Molina's not 
you know, focusing on that. Although she's done, she's done a couple recently. Yeah. But but I one of the thing I love about behavioral grooves, uh, aside from getting to sit here and have these conversations with you, is getting to talk to really really great researchers and great practitioners and people who are bringing this stuff to life and to be inspired by them and to be. Um, you know, and to be informed I learn, about what's going on. I learn every single episode. Yeah. And for me, that is, again, outside of your fun, smiling face every week, <laughs> it is by far the thing that I get the most enjoyment out of this. And to, yeah. to, to really dig in, sometimes on a, on a very you know, small, minute, kind of tight subject and other times having really broad discussions and they're all over the board from, you know, a George Lowenstein who is like this, oh my gosh, he, you know, kind of the godfather of of behavioral science um, into, you know, some people who are just getting into the business or or the accidental behavioral scientists that we talk to. And and Amazing, amazing stuff. All of every single person that we talk to, there is something that we can take out of. Always, uh, you every know, time. Uh, the conversation, yeah. and and that for me, I think is is fascinating and it's fun and hopefully it's insightful for our listeners as well. We we just kind of went down the bender on our own podcast, but that's topical because Lynn's <laughs> a podcaster. Hey, I, so I, I want to ask you, you know, we talked a little bit about what your favorite album is with Melina. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite playlist? Do you have a favorite playlist that you've created? So, you know, Melina has curated her John Mayer, Mayer um, yeah. podcast. And so I do have a, uh, on my Pandora, I have two of them. Uh, I have Damien Rice. Uh, that I have, again, you can add in, you, you thumbs up things, thumb down thing, and then you add in, you know, other, other artists into it. And so, uh, that one has been, again, for years and years and years, I've been, been working on that one. Uh, and then, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Years yeah. and years and years. That's a yeah. lot of effort, it sounds like. No, it's not. Eff- it's actually the, the fun part about the stuff there is it's not because you are just, you're listening to whatever the song is and you go, oh, I like this thumbs up. Okay. Or, you know, no, I don't like this thumbs down or skip over it. And they read into that. And then you go, oh, Hey, this is like for instance, I, I added in iron and wine uh, as one of the into alternate your, into, into your John Mayer so, list no, into my Damien Rice. Oh, list. Damien Rice. Yeah, list. I don't okay. have a John Mayer list. Oh, yeah. You know, I like the guy, but yeah, I don't have a John. Not Mayer that list. much. Yeah, not that much. Um, so I, so you build this, and so all of a sudden you have this, you know. The, the, the songs that pop up are based upon what you've built in from all of your thumbs up and thumbs down to the other artists that you have. And what, what I like about Pandora recently, they've changed, uh, one of the things they've added in is, do you want your playlist to be just focused in on what you've done? Do you want it to search for similar new music that's like it? Do you want to go deep dives or deep tracks into some of those artists and there was some, there's something else that they do. So, so it gives you this option, which I think we've talked about in some others. The, the, the thing about playlists that I'm not necessarily happy about is, yes, they do give me – they introduce new artists to me that I would maybe not have found otherwise. But they're cool. often in that genre that I've been – that I put in. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of all sound the same. They all have a similar feel, similar vibe to them. But if yeah. I can, you know, but with this new, the way the algorithms work, you can get more random. So all of a sudden I could get something that's way outside of that genre. And that for me is is really cool. That so, is very cool. And, and just out of curiosity, do you, do you pay the subscription fee? I pay the subscription fee. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which uh, that's good. Yeah, that's how good. about you? Do you? Yeah, I mean, I know you don't use these uh, services, right? Because Be- you are uh, you are you want to make sure that the artist gets their paid their due. Well, you care less about your own, you know, uh, enjoyment and worth, and and you are a giving kind of person. I, yeah, I, it's it's hard for me to think about someone spends nine 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 dollars and ninety nine cents on a Spotify monthly 
you know, set up. And for which just a few years ago was the cost of a CD. So yeah. you used to get, you know, 12 songs for $9.99. And now for $9.99, you get 30 million songs. So the cost per song has gone way, way down, which is great for consumers. It's just not so great for the artists. Um, but uh, at any rate, okay, so that's my little uh, thing there. But my favorite playlist is one that I've been curating for the past couple of few years. And, when, and it's actually based on songs that I hear just anywhere uh, in any kind of recorded for, uh, fashion. So I'll, I'll use Shazam or yeah. uh, to, to listen and go, oh, that is Howlin' Wolf. Um, and so, and then I add that to my playlist. And so I have this playlist of all this diverse music that I've heard out in the world um, that I like. And uh, that's that's the music that I use to prepare dinner by. <laughs> oh, so, very cool. And, and, it, and it's because it's random and it's all stuff that I liked. But it's completely incoherent in terms of theme or tempo or, you know, uh, vibe or anything. And I really like that. So one of the things on Pandora is they have a thumbs up station. So every song that I've ever thumbed up is part of that station. Nice. And so, so, so you so, have that. So you, you do have something similar to that. And, and again, yeah. for me, that crosses a number of genres. And so I do. I get It's fun, know, right? That, to check that I'll out. Get my ministry and I'll get my you know cure cure and I'll get my uh um I don't know Iron and da- Wine Iron and Wine Damien Rice Izzy you know Dessa so I get yeah. all of them yeah yeah anyway. that's very cool okay well uh, I think that is going to wrap it up for this this grooving session thanks everybody for for listening and stay tuned for our bonus track yes stay tuned Hey there, this is Kurt with the bonus track for our discussion with Melina Palmer, the founder and host of the Brainy Business Podcast. The big takeaways from what we discussed are two things. First, behavioral science may not be new, but by codifying it for lay people or the general public, by recognizing that it has benefits and by applying the insights that researchers have uncovered, businesses can be more successful and our personal lives can be better off. For instance, the anchoring effect is widely used in retail situations, both online and brick and mortar stores, and in face-to-face negotiations. Knowing how to use anchoring could benefit you when you're selling something and being aware of its use on you when you're buying something could help keep you from making an impulsive decision. Second, newer technologies such as podcasts can be great ways to learn new things. Because podcasting is good for on-the-go or listening while you're gardening sorts of situations, podcasters such as Melina, Tim, and I are seeing tremendous growth in our shows. And that leads me to the groove idea for the week. What are you going to do to integrate the principle of anchoring into your daily life or into your business? If you're a retailer, are you accumulating data on how highly discounted sales items perform? If you're a seller, how are you leveraging the first number in framing your desired sales number? And in your personal life, how are you taking advantage of an anchor to assist you in motivation? Are you setting a goal of making it to the gym five times each week as an anchor and can still feel satisfied when you make it to three? So with that, we urge you to think about what is the anchor you're going to use this week to improve your business or life? Let us know what that is. We would love to find out how it works. And that is our bonus track for this episode. And we hope that you have a great week. And as always, stay in touch. Let us know what you think. Share your insights, your concerns, your triumphs with behavioral science with us because we love to hear your stories. And thanks for listening.